Let's get out to the zone phone. Uh, the Sprint special guest line, of course. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. He writes for Yahoo Sports as well as Real, G- Real GM. He's our friend Keith Smith. Hi, Keith. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me back. Hey, we uh, we certainly appreciate it, and we'll dive into the bubble and the NBA stuff, but you live in Orlando, and of course, Florida grabbing a lot of headlines with their situation with the coronavirus right now. Kind of set the stage for us, what's going on in your community that the NBA is coming down to? Sure. Not only do I live in the area, I live about a mile and a half from Walt Disney World property, so I am uh, right in the middle of it here in Orange County. Um, it's it, People over the last couple of weeks have started to take things far more serious again. Our mayor put us back under uh, mask orders when we're out and about, so that has been seemingly helped. Um, after the first few days when people were grumbling about that, uh, I, you know, as I've been out to the grocery stores and the like, I, today, this morning, I went and did groceries, and I didn't see a single person in the store without a mask on, and people seem to be taking things a lot more serious now, and um, hopefully that'll start to turn things in a positive direction. You know, one of the most interesting aspects to this whole NBA bubble situation is obviously everyone's getting tested before they go in. Once they're in, if guys then are are, are being infected somehow, how is that going to happen? Is it are they going to be sneaking people in there? Is that is that going to be a prevalent problem? What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I don't think there's going to be any sneaking anybody in. I think Disney and NBA security are going to do a really good job of making sure that that's not happening. But the reality is that Disney cast members, that's Disney lingo for employee, are going to be coming and going. They are not being confined um, on property during the course of this event. So they'll be coming in, doing their work, and leaving. Now, their contact with the NBA players should be extremely minimal, you know, maybe even most cases all the way down to zero. The housekeeping staff will only go in rooms once a week to do a full clean, and that's only going to happen when uh, the NBA personnel is out of there for um, a long period of time, like a game or a practice, and they're going to be gone for a few hours. Um, the, the rest of the staff, the food service, they're dropping food off at the doors right now, and anytime there's room service, the NBA personnel have been asked to wait 30 seconds to a minute before opening the door and collecting their food. And then when they're done, they put it back out, and then somebody will come and pick up that tray later. And then uh, when it's the team dining, um, what will happen is they're going to bring the food uh, convention style, all plated up, and then it's going to be placed in the dining room, and then the players will pick it up from there. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of contact, but that still does exist because they are still coming and going. So if anything's going to get in, that's probably, unfortunately, going to be the way it happens. Does it concern you at all about FC Dallas for Major League Soccer? They're trying to do something similar, not the same, mind you, but something similar. And they had, uh, what was it, 10 positive uh, case tests after they had gone into the bubble. Should that should that raise the eyebrows maybe of the NBA? It, it, uh, it definitely should be something that's being monitored and watched. But it doesn't concern me because it, it's from all accounts um, that I've been reading about the reporting on that situation. Sounds like the FC Dallas uh, – uh, personnel, players, coaches, everybody involved weren't necessarily uh, taking the protocols as serious as they should have been in that they were not um, uh, doing things that they should have been even up to their arrival period. So it was uh, MLS was very clear that they were withdrawn from the tournament, but they, they did not withdraw themselves, that they were withdrawn. So I think that was more a case of maybe not doing things the way they should have been, and that is you know something that is clearly the NBA – 
you know, is going to have to watch and make sure because that can't be allowed to fly if this is going to be successful. Obviously, we have a sample of which teams were physically superior earlier in the season. Now they come together in these really extraordinary circumstances and environment there. Will it make a difference? Do you think that the mental side of handling everything that's going on around them will have any effect on how the teams perform on the court? Yeah, I think there's going to be some impact. Brad Stevens from the Celtics talked about it and said the teams that can find joy in this process and stay together and have a lot of grit are going to be the ones that go deep into it. And I think he's spot on with that. I think uh, from a physical component, some of the teams that were banged up and and worn down, Houston Rockets, for example, playing a very small lineup and then a very short rotation, I think the chance for them to get off their feet and rest up and heal up is going to be helpful uh, for a team like them. But, yeah, I I tend to more believe in the end the very best teams would win if we went and played games on the moon. So I don't know necessarily where these teams are being played is going to have too much of a factor. But I do think the teams that stay together and are really, you know, kind of more tough-minded, you know, will tend to fare a little bit better in this environment. Keith Smith is with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Keith, as you know, uh, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell's relationship has become a bit of national news as of late, certainly during this pandemic. Uh, give us your thoughts now that they've both had a chance to comment on it. We, we, I'm not sure if you saw the ESPN story by Tim McMahon yesterday, but cast a little more light on it. What do you think about what's going on between those two guys? I did, and I thought, you know, Tim did a wonderful job with his writing and reporting there. Whether or not you, you know, necessarily love the content, I thought his uh, process was, was quite well done. Um, I think it's one of those things, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit um, from some of the things that came out of it, is they don't need to be best friends to be successful partners on the court and to help the Jazz be the best team that they can be. That, that's just that we, we like to believe that these guys all love each other and hang out and do all sorts of things. But as long as they're not actively fighting, then I don't think it's a problem. I, with that said, NBA history tells me once we start having problems like this, we tend to see somebody end up moving on at one point or another. And that you know would be really unfortunate uh, for the Jazz because those are really two, um, you know, long-term building blocks that they can continue to build the rest of the roster around. And when you have two guys that are that good at what they do, it makes the rest of the roster building that much easier. So hopefully it's something they can move past and, uh, you know, continue to be successful partners on court, even if they aren't the best of friends off the court. How would you handle that if you were running the Jazz? Is that something that the entire team should get involved in or should it be minimized? Or what do you think is the best approach? I think initially you have to get the team involved just so everybody understands where things are kind of coming from here. And I think that's where veteran leaders like Joe Ingles are, are, you know, really really can be helpful in that kind of um, case there because this isn't necessarily something I think you need to hear from the coaches or from anybody in the front office because we know a lot of times in the locker rooms that the players need to, why there's players only meetings and the like, they, they want to hear it from each other. And I think, you know, some of the veteran guys are able to say, you know, hey, we might have our issues, but our goal is to win a championship. Let's put this behind us. I think you lean on those guys and try to do that because I think it would be very disingenuous to just say, hey, we're not going to talk about this. We're just going to play ball and pretend like it's not a thing when it very clearly is a very real thing. And none of the parties involved even are denying that it's a thing either. So I think, think it is important to recognize it, but then make sure everybody knows, hey, but we still have a shared goal that we're going to push forward with. 
Keith, I've, I've heard the take from a few people uh, that uh, with no home court advantage, we're going to see more one-sided playoff series, especially there in the first round. Would you agree with that logic? Uh, I think we have that chance. I think if a team gets down 2-0, it, it, they don't have the, well, at least we're headed back home to rely on. I think that's tough. If, if they get down 3-0, I think it starts to be, hey, one more day here. Maybe it's time to go home to the family and those kind of things. So I don't know that you're going to see teams really uh, – you know, have that back against the wall mentality and fight through that. But I tend to think, you know, the no home court advantage could also, you know, give us a little more balance. And these things, some of these arenas, Utah is a perfect example. One of the tougher places to go in and play in the NBA. Very passionate fans, is the altitude factor. So I think, you know, taking out some of those types of things, um, you know, for the Bucks, the Lakers, the Raptors, um, some of the top teams, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, maybe, you know, balance things out just a little bit there and give us, you know, maybe even more competitive series. But I think if a team gets down, I think their willingness to fight their way back into a series could be less than what we're used to. And what you just said is sort of a combination of uh, your answers to my earlier question. And I find that the reason I love the NBA and the NBA playoffs is the competitiveness that comes in, that that they're back against the wall, really dig in and work hard to show what you have and show your character and whatnot. And I agree with you 100%. I I think that's something to keep a real eye on, Keith. Uh, and, and, and it makes it even more important for a team to get the early advantage in those playoff series. Yeah, I, I agree. I think if you can jump out on a team and, and get them down, you know, a couple games, that's a huge advantage. It's already a big advantage in, you know, a normal environment. I think this one's going to be even bigger. My, my most favorite thing, which I hope will still carry over in the playoffs, is I love game one to game two, game two to game three. When you get the adjustments, from the first game, and then you get the adjustments to those adjustments in that that third game. That's, I love that kind of chess match between the coaches and the players figuring out on the fly of, oh, they're doing something different here and, and how they manage that. And I hope that still shines through. As far as the competitiveness factor, I think we, we know with NBA players, you can put them in an empty gym playing pickup, and they go at each other and go at each other really hard. We all see those videos. We all heard those stories. So we know what it's like. So I think that's going to be there, but I do think you know, to that point, just emphasize again, if a team gets down in the series, you really start to question, especially if you've been away from your family for a month or more, it starts to get to be, all right, how much longer do I want to extend my stay here if there's not going to be a real payoff in the end? Our friend Keith Smith from Yahoo Sports as well as Real GM right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Keith, is this going to be a, a three-horse race with the Lakers, Clippers, and Bucks, or is there another team you think has a legitimate shot? I would put Toronto, Boston, and Houston in that mix, too. I think it would not surprise me if any of those six teams came out. I do have the, the Bucks, Clippers, and Lakers as you know, maybe a higher-level tier, but none of those other teams would surprise me if they came together and were able to pull off you know, an upset and then maybe get themselves in the finals. I think that they're all built to win. I think they're built to win now. I think they've got um, good depth and good versatility, and I think that's going to be really important in this really condensed uh, kind of run-up to the playoffs and then uh, through the playoffs where really it turns into every other day you're playing games. So I, I think any one of those 16 would not surprise me if one of them came away as a champion in the end. Usually we talk about talent winning out, but I wonder if – if the teams that are in better shape 
physical shape will will have a greater advantage than they normally do during a typical NBA environment. Yeah, I think, I think there's definitely potential for that. Now, all reports from all around the league are guys did a pretty good job of staying in shape. And most guys said it's basketball shape, basketball rhythm. That's what I got to get back into here uh-huh. over the next couple of weeks. But we know now that everybody's together, and over the next few days, we're going to get those first full squad workouts. Somebody's going to leak out there about the guy who had a few too many cheeseburgers while in quarantine, and you know is maybe looking a little bit more like I do with a you know doughy middle midsection and not not a, not a quite you know NBA ready. So we're going to start hearing those things, but I, I do think those teams that are ready to go. It's funny I talked to a coach who said I think young teams because they're going to come in and you know they can get right out of the game and going. They're going to be good. Then I had another coach tell me almost immediately after that in the same day say I'm worried about the young teams because those are the guys to rely on the crowd to lift them a lot more. So I don't know if those teams are going to do quite so well in this environment. So I, I think, you know, it really is coming into, we just don't really know what to expect. Keith, is there a storyline that may be a little under the radar that is catching your eye going into this thing? Yeah, I, um, I, I think the Clippers, um, despite the fact that they're good and a lot of people, including myself, have them as a final team, somehow are going a little bit under the radar here. But the part that's really interesting to me is this is a group that with what should be their main playoff rotation, I don't believe has placed any games together uh, this year because of the aggressive load management for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George throughout the season, and then injuries, and then the acquisitions late in the year of Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson. They, they just haven't really had that group together very much. So I'm very curious to see how they can come together. I think in a lot of ways, these eight games, though, they're not going to push themselves overly hard to go against everything that they did. Those eight games are going to be really important for them to build chemistry with those key lineups, figure out who should be in their closing groups, and figure out their best way to play against the best team. So I am very curious to see how they come together. You know, Keith, I wonder you being a veteran of that area uh, area for a while now. Uh, can you answer Jake uh, Jake's and my question about why a hot dog at Disney World costs twenty two dollars and fifty cents? I mean, I don't know that that's what it costs, but it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they're pretty good hot dogs, but yeah, no, it's it's, it's the same theory as when you go to a ball game. You know, you you pay premium prices for all sorts of stuff here, and it's uh, you know what I what I always tell people if you're going on a Walt Disney World vacation. And you have the ability to get the dining plan because you can utilize that to your maximum extent of enjoyment. But I, I would hold off on those vacations for maybe a little bit, um, even though everything's opening back up. Well, let, let, let everybody figure that out. Let's get past some of the stuff that's going on in the world. Well, Keith, we love it when you have a chance to drop by the show. Thank you very much, and uh, stay safe down there, and let's all look forward to some basketball. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Y'all stay safe. You and yours. Back at yeah, you, Keith. thanks. Our friend Keith Smith from Yahoo Sports as well as Real GM. Jake, what do you think the interest level is going to be in this? On the one hand, you would think people would be really hungry for sports, really hungry for NBA basketball, eager to see uh, where the teams are now and what they look like and what their chances might be for advancement. On the other hand, is everyone so numb now that they, they just don't care as much? I think my personal opinion, I think interest is going to be through the roof. Yeah. Yep. I think it's going to be really high. I think basketball fans are ready to watch some basketball. And I think uh, a lot of us who uh, in, enjoy uh, office reruns on Netflix might be getting a, a little tired and <laughs> looking for something else to uh, divert our attention. 
I'm like on movie 128. Yeah, right. Thing, and and I'm sure you you fall asleep a little easier now than you did around movie or during the movie during uh, movie 15. You know what I mean? Like I think we're all uh, a little a little basketball. I think would do us some good. So I I do. I think I think the care factor is going to be really high. Last night was uh, a beautiful mind. I'm surprised and, you picked uh, that one, didn't you? I did not pick that one. I've seen that movie five or six times, so I did not pick that movie. But I will say that Russell Crowe, I, I really enjoy him as an actor, and Jennifer Connelly may be one of the more talented female actors or actresses, whatever you want to call them these days, uh, that I've ever seen. Just absolutely beautiful, beautiful acting. Okay. We, we know your celebrity crush.